Welcome to another episode of The Brand Called You, a podcast and podcast show that brings you leadership lessons, knowledge, experience, and wisdom from thousands of successful individuals from around the world. I'm your host, Ashutosh Garg, and today I'm delighted to welcome a very, very senior and accomplished professional from Chicago, USA, Alexandra Levitt. Alexandra, welcome to the show. Thank you, Ashutosh. Nice to meet you and nice to be here today. Thank you. Alexandra is a workforce futurist. She is a columnist for the Wall Street Journal, and she's the CEO of Inspiration at Work. Uh, Alexandra is also an international best-selling author, and all of you know I'm very partial to authors. She's an international <laughs> best-selling author of a book titled Humanity Works. She's also been recognized, awarded, and felicitated several times. So, Alexandra, before we start talking about uh, Inspiration at Work, tell me in brief your own journey. Sure. Well, this actually won't be a surprise to you <laughs> because my journey is very similar to yours. Mm -hmm. uh, I started my career um, at the tail end of the 20th century. Okay. Uh, I was going to college at a school here in Chicago called Northwestern. Mm -hmm. And I had been one of those high achieving college students. I thought that I would go out into the business world and be a VP by the age of 30. Mm -hmm. And I went into my first job in New York City and I pretty much crashed and burned. Mm -hmm. I watched as people with half my work ethic um, got promoted ahead of me. Mm -hmm. uh, my first boss told me that <laughs> no one on my team liked me and that I was self-destructing in my career. And I wish I could tell you that I took that lesson and turned things around, but, mm -hmm. but really there were a couple of years that went by mm -hmm. and I continued to spin my wheels. And then finally I had a manager that took pity on me and said, Alex, I think that you have potential. I think that you're smart, but I think that you're making a whole bunch of mistakes. And mm -hmm. so she sent me to a course called Dale Carnegie. Mm -hmm. And it was then that I started to learn some lessons like how to make sure your work is visible to the right people, mm -hmm. how to make sure that you come across in the right way, that you develop an effective uh, professional persona, um, that you present yourself in a way that's mature, competent, and, and really the best version of yourself. And that was when yes. I got this, this idea for my first book mm -hmm. um, when I was in my mid-20s called They Don't Teach Corporate in College, mm -hmm. a 20-something guide to the business world. Because uh, like you, I'm kind of in, in, in a unique age group where um, there is there are very few people in my specific age group, but there is a whole huge group of people that are just slightly younger than me. Mm. Um, and there really wasn't that much material that was written for anyone that was in their 20s that was beginning a, a career. Mm. And so I came out with this book that I really wrote um, kind of just to help people avoid some of the agenda and pain that I had experienced. And, and mm -hmm. it was a good time for that type of book because not too many other things existed. And much to my pleasure and surprise, mm. That, that book, first book did very, very well. And it, it led to a new career as a, a business and workplace author, speaker, and consultant. The next thing I knew, I was getting asked to do um, mm. speaking and consulting around the world on issues facing 20-something employees, which at the time was kind of interesting because I didn't really know anything. Mm. All I had done was research a book and talk about my own experiences. But as time went on, I did do a lot of actual research on this group of young people called the millennials who were mm -hmm. only a couple of years younger than me. Mm -hmm. And so I, I grew to become an expert over time. Mm -hmm. And then something even more interesting happened. 
I started getting asked, what were the millennials going to do in the future? Now, obviously, no one can predict the future, Correct. but found myself in, in the really strange situation of having mm. to guess. And so at the beginning, that's what I did. I guessed. Mm. <laughs> but then it was like, after a couple of years, I was like, I wonder if there's a scientific way to do this. Mm-hmm. And I learned about the, the field of strategic foresight. And eventually I did go and get some formal education in strategic foresight. And that's how I became a workforce futurist. futurist. It essentially means that you look at trends and signals that are percolating up through the market, mm. through society, through my area, which is the future of work. And you try to make an educated determination about what has the greatest potential for disruption. Mm. And over time, I grew older. My audience grew older. I started writing for the Wall Street Journal. So that's a little bit of an older audience as well. Mm-hmm. And I, I expanded beyond the millennials and just started talking about other workforce topics as well. And really, it's been a wild ride. It's been a blast. I've, I've had other books as well. You mentioned Humanity Works. I've got a new one coming yeah. out in a couple weeks called Deep Talent. And it's just, I mean, sometimes you don't want to be right. Sometimes your forecasts, and we had forecasts a couple of years ago around um, a big disruption um, that would cause mass unemployment and layoffs and, mm-hmm. and a mental health crisis. I mean, that was one that was kind of a bummer. And unfortunately, that one's come to fruition now around 2023. Um, but it's a good thing in the sense that at least it allows you to prepare. Mm-hmm. Looking around corners allows you to do something mm-hmm. so that when something happens, at least you have the tools mm-hmm. in your That's arsenal. It. To be able to say, okay, well, I sort of saw this coming. Mm. So I have some semblance of control Mm. over what is occurring. And so I feel pretty excited about my journey and about the future myself and feel overall that we're in an optimistic place. Amazing, amazing. So let's talk about inspiration at work, you know, and you say that inspiration at work helps individual and organizations transform world-class mindfulness and emotional intelligence trainings, classes, and facilitations. Help me understand, you know, all the things that you're covering in this sentence and do give me an example. Um, well, I'm not sure that's my inspiration at work. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. But, I mean, but, but we can definitely, um, apply that certainly to the description of what my business says. I mean, mm. essentially my business Inspiration at Work um, aims to help organizations and individuals uh, prepare as best they can for the future of work. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, this encompasses a lot of different things. And I would say that um, the biggest thing that I'm working on right now, um, besides the usual writing, consulting, and researching, is that uh, I have a grant with the U.S. National Institute of Mental Health mm-hmm. to develop a program for um, individuals who are newly unemployed mm-hmm. to help break them out of the spiral of depression and anxiety mm-hmm. um, so that they can get back on their feet quickly. Mm-hmm. And this is related to what we just what I just mentioned, because back in 2020, Um, we did kind of identify this forecast Mm -hmm. where there would be these economic contractions from the pandemic Mm -hmm. and and also a mental health crisis associated with this ongoing stress Mm -hmm. day-to-day situation of dealing with the pandemic. And we thought around 2023, people were really going to start to struggle. 
And we wanted a very practical solution that would mm. help people cope with a period of time in society when they're really just, it's just kind of difficult. Mm. And there is a, a, a methodology in psychology called cognitive behavioral therapy. It really does bring the power within the individual to learn how to think more flexibly and take small actions to gain greater control over your life when things are looking like they're just kind of out of your control. Um, they're looking a little bit dire. Mm. And so we figured if we can teach people these skills, if we can democratize this type of treatment, which is evidence-based and it's been shown to work, then we can help people regardless of what your bad situation is. Mm. You might be unemployed today. And unfortunately, you might be unemployed again in three years. Um, so it's really about getting a job because we can't really control whether people get a job in six mm. weeks, nor can we control whether people end up unemployed again mm. in three years, mm. because we don't know what's going to happen, but we can control how people respond to that unemployment. And that's what the goal of the program is. And we sort of saw in 2020 that this is probably going to happen. So we applied for this grant mm -hmm. and we are working with NIH and which is the National Institute of Health yeah. and National Institute of Mental Health is part of that. And it's a really meaningful passion project for me uh, because I hope to reach as many people as possible starting here in the U.S. and then, of course, expanding. Not of course, but we are hopeful that mm -hmm. we'll expand globally um, at some point. And so that's the main thing business is working on right now. And, and when you look at the work that you're doing as a futurist, uh, mm -hmm. what are some of the areas that you normally focus on? That's, that's a good question. I mean, we don't have specific industries, but in the past, um, healthcare and retail mm -hmm. have been two areas that I have focused on because they've changed so dramatically mm -hmm. in the last couple of years. And manufacturing, too, I think, to some degree. Mm -hmm. Um these are, are areas where people have just kind of been um, forced to make very drastic changes in the way these industries operate and the way the organizations within them operate um, and the skills that people need in order to be successful within these industries. I think they're some of the first industries where people have and organizations have rapidly made efforts to upskill, reskill and cross-skill individuals because um of the nature of how those industries have operated. And so I think it's just been an interesting space for futurists to, to kind of play in. Interesting. And when you, as a futurist, when you look at the workforce post the pandemic, mm -hmm. where, you know, work from home seems to have almost become institutionalized, the gig economy has become institutionalized, more and more people are looking at doing multiple roles uh, in different organizations. What is your view on how will the young, and I'm saying people who are, you know, whichever part of the alphabet soup they are after Gen Z, what kind of careers will they have? Um, and what kind of uh, professional lives will they have? Ashutosh, this is such a good question. And I'll, I think I'm going to start actually with, you mentioned the, the people that were younger than Gen Z, but I actually want to start with um, the folks who are in their early 20s mm -hmm. uh, right now, because these are the people that I think are in the biggest crisis because they've come out of school at a time when the whole world is in, in a crisis situation and they've tried to adjust to building careers without any context at all 
They've, they've come out working in a hybrid or fully distributed workforce. And when I think about the lessons that I've tried to teach and they don't teach corporate and college and to some degree you've tried to teach in your work as well. Mm. And think about how complicated and difficult those lessons are to learn when you're working with people mm. in an office environment where you can, and we're human beings, we're social creatures. Mm. You can absorb those lessons when interacting face to face. And we are expecting these people to learn the ways of business, learn the ways of other human beings and mm. learn how to engage in a professional environment while giving them really close to nothing. Mm -hmm. and organizations are not really making any kind of concerted effort to onboard and effectively assimilate these young people mm. in a world where nobody is really understanding how this new kind of environment is going to play out. Totally. And so I really think we are at risk of losing an entire generation of young professionals and leaving them behind. So mm. I wanted to mention that first because I think that's the issue that's really on fire. Mm. Now, in terms of the Generation Z, which is, you know, most of them are in their teens or tweens and teens mm. right now. And, and the generations that's slightly younger than them, which mm. we don't have a name for um, yet, but we probably will soon. Yep. Um, I think by and large, these are going to be individuals that have many different careers mm. that are very broadly skilled. So they don't train for one specific thing. They can do many, many different things and are expecting mm. to do many things. Mm. I think the environment in which they work and live is going to be heavily skewed toward the metaverse. Mm. And they will be comfortable in that environment. And what is preventing the uptake of the metaverse at this time is the technology. Okay. And also the, I would say, the impetus um, meaning the, the precipitating event. Mm. And what I mean by that is if you look at the video conference technology, mm. video conference technology was around for about two decades Absolutely. before anyone used it in on mass. Mm. Um, and it was the pandemic that really kind of forced everyone onto video okay. conference technology. Mm. It's kind of the same thing with the metaverse mm. in that you can go in and have a conference in the metaverse today, yep. but nobody's really doing that except mm. for a couple of companies here and there. Um, and there's, I think that what the precipitating event will be, will be an adverse climate event or another mm. pandemic where we all kind of get stuck again. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh, there's this thing called the metaverse. You know, you can go and have Absolutely. your, you have your avatar. It'll just be like the next generation up. Mm. Um, and the reason that most people aren't using it are, are that, that there's no precipitating event. It's like, now we can, we're all comfortable with video conferencing mm. and it's also the technology. Mm. The technology is super clunky still. It's really expensive to have a fully immersive experience. And even, even the immersive experience isn't that immersive. I don't know about you, but I find it to be really annoying. Um, I get dizzy. It doesn't really feel like I'm there. Um, I have to watch where I'm walking. I think in the next 10 years or so, we're going to see a, a massive shift I in that. Where you start to lose your sense of what's real and what's virtual. And at that point, it's going to take off and it's going to be driven by the younger people who are going to start gaming in it. Mm. And once they start gaming in it, the world is going to start to move. Mm. And then it's going to bring the older people on board because, again, that that precipitating event mm. where we are kind of stuck. We don't really have a choice. And at that point, 
I think we start to see the world move into the metaverse. So if you've ever seen or heard of Red Ready Player One, um, I honestly, or Snow Crash, I honestly think that is the future. (laughs) Whether I personally love that or not as a Gen Xer, I think I, I don't know how I feel about it personally, honestly. I don't think that's going to be my world in my life necessarily, but I think that's where we're headed. Absolutely. No, I mean, I, I think technology is going to chip, do some dramatic things to us. I mean, I've, I've been experimenting with the metaverse. I've been experimenting with chat GPT and so many different things. Yeah. But I think, what do you think of chat GPT? Who knows, maybe five years from now, you and I could be having a conversation in a coffee shop sitting on Mars, you know, so... Through or our at least we think we're on Mars. <laughs> yeah, mean, through it, our might our the, it might be the metaverse version of Mars. <laughs> Absolutely. But moving on, yeah. Alexandra, you know, you also are a member of the Thinkers 50 radar. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, you know, when I was reading about you, you say also say that the most compelling business and management ideas of our age mm-hmm. are, you know, being discussed here. Uh, share with me a few of these. Um, yeah, this was a huge honor. So Thinkers 50 is is an organization that's been around for, for quite some time. And um, you have to apply or someone nominates you to, to get to it. And they really, they're based out of London and, and they really do their due diligence. They look all around the world for people who are, um, who are coming up with new sorts of ideas mm. uh, that haven't really been discussed very much and, and have new sorts of solutions. So in, in 2019 for the ideas around humanity works, um, which were based on, on forecasts that were happening mm. at the time, which I mean, one of the, the things that I'm proudest about <laughs> humanity works is that humanity works came out around then and is still relevant, even post pandemic, which is like, as a futurist, that's, that's what you want because it was supposed to be talking about around 2023, 2024. And everything that happened in the pandemic, it, it's still relevant. So like that, that's what you want. Right. Um, but, uh, you know, that, that was the the basis of mm. my nomination at the time was how I was envisioning the future of work to be a, a distributed hybrid environment in which humans and machines would have to start to, to work together and, and how as an organization, you could, um, leverage both types of talent in order to, to maximize the growth and potential of your organization. So let's move to your book uh, and, you know, your response gives me a good segue to your book, Humanity Works, mm-hmm. uh, Merging People and Technologies for the Workforce of the Future. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, in your view, will the workforce of the future look like? I think the workforce of the future is is actually going to be uh, quite an exciting place. And, and everything that I said in Humanity Works more or less still stands. I don't think the pandemic has changed anything materially. Mm. I think in, in Humanity Works, which came out three years ago or a little or four years ago now, mm-hmm. um, we talk about it being highly distributed, hybrid, where people are, are working anywhere um, and they're they're participating on shorter term teams. Mm-hmm. Um, we call it rapid talent assembly, where an organization will assemble the team for the express purpose of solving a, a particular business problem. Mm. And then we'll disband um, that team. Once that problem has been addressed, mm-hmm. uh, talk about um, employee exchanges where as you need talent, you will mm. source them from a general talent marketplace. Mm. And um, then when people are ready for a new challenge, they might be able to apply internally. So mm-hmm. you can, 
kind of move your people around as necessary. We saw this come to fruition in, in the pandemic when there were certain parts of an organization that weren't operating because mm -hmm. they weren't necessary. So they would redeploy people um, to do something else. Um, so that was something that we were talking about in, in the book. We talked a lot about humans and, and how everyone was concerned that humans would lose their jobs when machines mm -hmm. would come on scene. Mm -hmm. And the fact of the matter is whenever you insert a machine into a traditionally human-driven process, mm -hmm. you still need a person to uh, figure out how it's going to be integrated, Correct. to see and manage it, to fix it when it breaks, to explain how it works to decision makers mm -hmm. and then decide how it's going to be redeployed. That's a lot of people yep. who are involved. So to me, actually, it seems like the potential for humans to be involved at a more strategic level whenever there is an intelligent um, piece of software engaged or even a, a, a hard robot um, is significant. And so I actually don't think that it's going to replace <laughs> smart technology is going to replace humans Absolutely. at all. Yeah. Um, if anything, it up levels humans involved, human involvement. And so far we have seen that. And every time organizations try to automate things in kind of this extreme way mm -hmm. where they get rid of tons of people to fully automate things. I mean, they tend to get bitten in the butt mm -hmm. um, by doing that. Um, that generally doesn't work out well. I mean, very, very recently in the last couple of weeks, we've seen what happens when, um, I feel like airlines are always an example of this, mm -hmm. where they're just over automating. Um, they're just leaving technology to its own devices. Yeah. People aren't standing by watching mm -hmm. and things are breaking and they're getting caught with their pants down. Right. Um, and, you know, that that is what happens when you do not oversee your machine participation in the workforce. So, um yeah, these are all kinds of the things that we were no, talking no, fascinating. about. Fascinating, absolutely fascinating. I've time for only one more question. Uh, so, this is this one is uh, for all the, the thousands of people who will listen to our conversation. Based on your amazing journey as a corporate leader, as a futurist, as a columnist, as an author, what would you say, Alexandra, are three lessons you would want our viewers and listeners to take away? Oh, it's such a good question. Um, my lesson would be, be, be open to your own journey. Mm -hmm. um, don't think that you have to decide what is going to happen. I mean, this is, this is for really people of any age, Correct. um, that you have to make a decision of what the rest of your life is going to be like, mm -hmm. uh, because especially, I mean, this was always true from mm -hmm. when you and I were, were coming up to e even people who are coming up now. I, I don't I mean, yes, the world is changing and evolving more quickly now, but I, I think this has always been true that um, you never know what doors are going to be open, what opportunities are going to present themselves. Mm. And the willingness to be adaptable and flexible is more important than ever. And you never know what opportunities are, are going to, to come Correct. your way. Correct. So just make an intelligent first step. I think people mm. get very overwhelmed by, I don't know if this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. I don't know if this job's going to last yeah. 15 years. I don't know if I'm going to get the right skills that I need for yeah. um, to support myself forever. It's like, you don't need to decide about forever. Hmm. You only need to know, am I going to learn something here that's going to take me from point A to point B? You don't need to find out what's going to take me from point A to point Z. Hmm. Um, and that would be probably the most important lesson. Mm -hmm. Um Second lesson I would say is 
to care for yourself holistically. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that we in America in particular, I think the rest of the world is a little bit better with this, but mm-hmm. in here in the US, we're very work focused. Mm-hmm. We still are, even post pandemic, where and and people are suffering mm-hmm. now as a yeah. result of the burnout that's kind of always kind of always been there because there's this expectation that Mm. it's work, work, work always comes first. And really life is too short. I think that's one thing that everyone has realized over the past three years. And you need to have more than just your work. You Mm. need to care for, for family, for your friends, for Mm. your hobbies. Um, You need to be a multidimensional person. And so the lesson, and that's for everybody again, not just the young people, um, I wish that I had learned that sooner that I'm that's affecting the choices that I make today around my own career. Mm-hmm. Um, people will say to me all the time, you know, how do you feel that, you know, so-and-so started after you and they're doing, you know, millions and millions of dollars of business and you're mm-hmm. doing X mm-hmm. like I made that choice. Yeah. And I, I don't regret it because I have seen my, my kids, you know, I've been a room parent for my kids' classrooms every year since they were born. Mm-hmm. I'm like, and I, and I've had the, I've had kids, Yep. you know, so that's two. Do you want one more? No, no, no. This is perfect. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. Please give it. Why not? Okay. Let's see. So number three, um, I guess it's kind of along those lines. Look out for people. Mm. Um, yeah. So the second one was kind of around look out for yourself. Yeah. Look for others. Yeah. Um, even in the professional world. Mm. Um, I, I, see a lot of and i think this is some of to some degree this is because people have had to kind of fight so hard to survive Mm -hmm. the last couple of years that it's people have turned inward a great deal and i think that as a result we're seeing a lot of things happen in society Mm -hmm. where society is kind of fraying at the edges interpersonally Mm -hmm. um it's like, look out for your people, check in with them, even if they're just colleagues, mm. um, don't let that stop you because you never know what somebody else is going through. Um, and just ask, you could be yeah. on a, I mean, you could be on a podcast and we're not right. going to do it on this live podcast right here, but yeah. you know, you could just be meeting someone for the first time, just stop mm. and ask how they're doing. Yeah. Um, and, and really mean it and check Absolutely. in with people because Absolutely. it makes a lot it makes a lot of difference and goes a long way. Um, that would be the final piece of advice. You no, know, that's fantastic. And on that note, uh, thank you so much for your three lessons. Be open to your own journey. Uh, opportunities mm-hmm. will come. The second one you said was care for yourself holistically. And holistically is such a broad and powerful word. And the third one, which is so interesting, look out for people. Uh, mm-hmm. Thank you, uh, Alexandra, for speaking to me. Thank you for talking to me about your own journey about inspiration at work, about the work that you're doing as a futurist. Thank you also for speaking to me about your book, Humanity Works, and what will the workforce of the future look like? Thank you again and good luck. You're very welcome. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the brand called You Videocast and Podcast, a platform that brings you knowledge, experience and wisdom of hundreds of successful individuals from around the world. Do visit our website, www.tbcy.in to watch and listen to the stories of many more individuals. You can also follow us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Just search for the brand called You.